Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another exciting week on the Spirit of Prophecy podcast. Hope you're ready for another uh, great episode. This one is one that is probably going to make some people mad. That is not my goal. I just, but I do feel like these things need to be covered. These things need to be said. It is very important. And if you are someone who follows my preaching, uh, you're going to hear a lot of repeat from the subject I preached on Sunday night. I talked about a few heretics, gave some quotes. Well, I'm going to cover that uh, really one point mainly of that message in this podcast today. And I'm going to show you the videos of these people saying the things that I claimed that they said, because I believe this illustrates something very important that we need to understand when it comes to Bible prophecy. And the, and the title of today's subject is The Natural Man and Bible Prophecy. We all understand that the Bible is clear that the natural man receiveth not the things that are the Spirit of God. They are foolishness unto him. There are things in the Word of God that are spiritual truths, that you must have a regenerated spirit. You must have the Holy Spirit to be able to understand those things. And so if a lost person gets a hold of those passages, there's no telling what they will do with them. It could be, get really weird, and guess what? It does get really weird when lost people get a hold of those things. And that's how it is with Bible prophecy. Many people get confused and discouraged because there are so many different interpretations of the same passage in Bible prophecy. Why is that the case? Well, here, one of the reasons, there's many reasons, but I believe one of the main reasons that Bible prophecy is spoken in the way it's spoken, it's so only the spiritual will understand some of these things. I want to show you a passage of scripture that I think is important. Paul uh, says in 1 Corinthians 2, 4, he said, my speech was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Howbeit, we speak wisdom among them that are perfect or complete, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for if they had known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. And I show you that to show that we all understand, those of us who are saved, we cannot read the Old Testament without seeing the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ all over it. However, it's saying right here that the princes of this world, had they known these things, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But they didn't know these things. They were hidden from their eyes. So God spoke in ways that were spiritual, often so lost people wouldn't understand it. That's why he spake to the Pharisees in parables, because they didn't have any faith. So he spoke in parables, but he was revealing spiritual truths, and those who were spiritual could understand those things. So that's how it's going to be in a lot of Bible prophecy. It is not for the world to understand what is to come. It is for them to believe the message of Jesus Christ, to understand that they are sinful, and to go to him for cleansing. And if they don't, they're going to be judged. But when it comes to certain details, when it comes to certain timing, it is not for them to know. And Jesus said that about the Pharisees, it is not for you to know the things of the kingdom of God. So he has to speak of these in spiritual ways. So you better believe there is always going to be many interpretations of 
certain passages, especially prophetic ones, because they were spiritual and the natural man cannot receive them. Now, I am not going to go as far as to claim that everyone who does not agree with my view of prophecy is a natural man and just not saved and therefore they can't understand it. Obviously, not only I think are some of these things intended only for the spiritual or the saved, but also too those who are right with God and they are probably meant to mainly be understood or fully understood by those who experience some of these things, you know? And so, um, you know, maybe it isn't for us because we are not that generation. I want to, I like to think we are, but I believe if we're right with God, if we will focus on the things that uh, we are supposed to be focused on, I believe we will know what we need to know when we need to know it. So the most important thing is not understanding everything about Bible prophecy, but understanding the things that we are supposed to be doing today. So keep all that in mind. So there's always going to be a lot of different interpretations. So I want to read a passage of scripture to you to kind of kick this off from uh, the book of Jude. And in Jude, in verse 3, uh, let's go ahead and get that up on the screen so you can follow along with me on this. But notice what it says. It says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence unto you to write of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which, which was once delivered unto the saints. And we here believe that there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism. We don't believe in faiths. We don't believe in gospels. We believe in the gospel. And we believe that the faith that we believe in was the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. This is something that goes back before the time of Jude, something that goes back before the time of Christ. We believe in the same God as Abraham believed in. We believe in the same gospel that Abraham believed in. Now, under we understand that they only knew in part, just like there are certain things we only know in part. More has been revealed to us about the gospel than was revealed to Abraham, but understand what Abraham had faith in that was encountered unto him for righteousness is the same thing that we have faith in and is imputed righteousness to us from our belief in that thing. More has been revealed to us, but it's the same thing. And I shouldn't even have to defend that, but I do. You know why I have to? Because for certain, there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained unto this condemnation, ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. And he goes on and basically gives some examples of people who God punished. And he says all this to let them know God will punish these false prophets, these certain men that are crept in unawares. Now watch what he says in verse 10. But these, these false prophets that have crept in unawares, these speak evil of those things which they know not, but what they know naturally as brute beasts, in those things they corrupt themselves. So these false prophets that we were told to, that we're going to creep in unawares, that we are to contend against, they speak evil of things which they know not, but what they understand naturally as brute beasts. And what I'm going to do today is I'm going to give some examples. I believe what he's describing here fits what we see happen with many, not all, 
dispensationalists, specifically of the Ruckmanite brand. I believe the original creeps of dispensationalism were men like John Nelson Darby, C.I. Schofield, Clarence Larkin. These men, their doctrines have crept into Baptist churches and have done a great deal of damage. They've caused a great deal of confusion. I encourage people to go listen to my message from Sunday night. I'm not going to expound on everything, but what I do want to do is show you, I believe, in this generation, we have certain disciples of men like Peter Ruckman, who was a disciple of Schofield and Larkin and these guys. We have certain men that are in independent fundamental King James only Baptist churches preaching damnable heresy, literally speaking evil of things that they understand not, things they are not capable of understanding. And I just want to show you horrible things that these men have said, them speaking evil, speaking against truth, and we'll under, well, we will see their interpretation of the scripture is completely void of anything that is of spirit, but is what they know naturally is brute beast. And the first example we're going to look at is someone named Sam Gipp. Now listen to what he says uh, in this message, and it's horrible. So check this out. Boy, there's a lot of promises in this book, are there not? Well, you look at that Old Testament, all those promises, those promises were not to you. They were to the Jews. They were to Israel. You know, I call Jesus Christ a lot of things. He is my Lord. He is my Savior. He's my friend. There's a lot of things. You know what I'd never call Jesus Christ? He's not my Messiah. I was never, as a Gentile, I was never promised a Messiah. All right? He is Israel's Messiah. I want to know who that guy was behind him, smiling and shaking his head. Like, I... I how is anybody agreeing with what he's saying right there? He said, he's not my Messiah. Okay? Now, there's another clip that's famous out there where he's like, you know what I never called Jesus Christ? Never called him my Messiah. He's not your Messiah. Are, are you a Jew? The, the Gentiles were never promised a Messiah. That's what he said in another clip. Now, let me just show you, first off, how foolish that is, but why he has come to that conclusion. I know why. I have sat in a service where he has clarified that statement. I have spoken with him about that. I confronted him on some of these things, and he responded like a maniac, like a natural brute beast. But uh, John 141 says, He first findeth his own brother Simon, and saith unto him, We have found Messiah, which being interpreted is the Christ. So the Bible tells us that Messiah and Christ, it's the same thing. Now, what's so funny about that, he's like, you know what I never called Jesus Christ? I never called him my Messiah. It's like, well, well you just did. Okay, but he he doesn't under, he, he obviously doesn't understand that because he's trying to make a really bad point. Okay, he's trying to make a really bad point, and I'll 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 show you the I'll tell you the point that he try he's trying to make, but he's failing miserably. But he go but in John 4 21, let's go ahead and look at this passage of scripture. Says Jesus saith unto her, Woman, this, the Samaritan woman, believe me, the hour cometh that ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, uh, uh, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith in him, I know that Messiah 
cometh, which is called Christ, when he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I'm not your Messiah. Are you a Jew? The Samaritans were never promised a Messiah. Is that what he said to her? No. When she said, I know that Messiah cometh, Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. Why? Because he was her Messiah too. He, the Gentiles were promised a Messiah. Now here's what he did in his clarification. He tried to show how, you know, the name, term Messiah, it encompasses many things. And Christ is one of those things. And of course, you know, he, you know, he's, he's the Christ and, you know, he, he, he acknowledged a lot of those things, but what he was trying to refer to is the role of Messiah as deliverer for Israel. And he went to Romans 11, 26, where it says, and so all Israel shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer that shall turn ungodliness from Jacob. So he's like, you know, the, it was Israel that was promised to deliver. Now, he reads that passage and he only sees a military victory. He only sees a deliverer from Roman's army, even though, even though it says in there he's going to turn them from their iniquities. For some reason, he still only sees physical deliverance. That's all he can. Because again, natural man can understand deliverance from an army. They can get that. But the deliverance Israel needed was deliverance from their sin. And so he's like, yo, America wasn't promised a deliverer. You know, Canada wasn't promised deliver. It was Israel that was promised deliver, meaning deliverance in a military way. That's what he's saying. But here's where he fails again. So it's like, yeah, I, fine, I'm, I'm, I'm promised, you know, he's my Messiah, but not my deliverer because I'm not from Israel. Problem, it says, as it is written. Why don't we go back and look and see what was written? So if we go back to Isaiah 59, which is what Paul was quoting from, if we jump down to verse 20, says, and the Redeemer shall come to Zion and unto them that turn from transgression in Jacob, saith the Lord. As for me, this is my covenant with them, saith the Lord, my spirit that is upon thee and my words which I have put in thy mouth shall not depart out of thy mouth, nor out of the mouth of thy seed, nor out of the mouth of thy seed, saith seed, the Lord, from henceforth forever. So right there, notice that the passage that Paul was quoting from, it called him there a redeemer. Okay, So are you going to say he's not your redeemer? Does Sam Gipp sing songs like I will sing of my redeemer? Redeemed how I love to proclaim it? Obviously, redeemer and deliver the same thing. Yes, Jesus is our Messiah. He is our redeemer. He is our deliverer. Okay, but Sam Gipp is trying to find, make this all about a military victory, even though Romans 11, it's a victory, a deliverance from their sin. And in Isaiah, calls him a redeemer. And he wouldn't dare say in a church, Jesus isn't my redeemer, because that would mess up all the songs people are singing that are actually biblical. But were the Gentiles promised a redeemer? Were they promised a deliverer, Messiah? Well, you know what's interesting? If we... Uh, go to Isaiah 49. Let's, let's look at Isaiah chapter 49 and see what it has to say. In verse 6, and he said, It is a light thing that thou shouldst be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel. I will also give thee 
for a light to the Gentiles, that thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the earth. Thus saith the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel and his Holy One, to whom man despiseth, to him whom the nation abhorreth, to his servant of rulers, kings shall see and arise, princes also shall worship, because the Lord that is faithful and the Holy One of Israel, he shall choose thee. Right there, the Redeemer of Israel, it was said, I will also, in addition to Israel, give thee a light to the Gentiles. The Redeemer of Israel is also for the Gentiles. Guess what? The Gentiles were promised a Redeemer. Isaiah eleven ten. And that day shall be a root of Jesse, which shall stand for an ensign of the people. To it shall the Gentiles seek, and his rest shall be glorious. I don't care how you spin it. Sam Gipp was wrong in what he said. I get what he was trying to get across. It failed. It failed miserably. And his clarification is even worse. The problem is he can't get that passage because he can only see a military victory rather than a cleansing from sin because he can only, and he speaks evil of those. I mean, listen to how he is about those. He's not your Messiah. Um, why does he say it that way? He speaks evil of things he cannot understand but only what he knows naturally as a brute beast. What happens if a natural man, an unregenerate man, what happens when he takes the words of God that are spirit? And there are, there are, there are facts that any lost person can figure out from the Bible. But there are spiritual things, spiritual messages contained in these scriptures. A natural man cannot receive those things, cannot understand those things. And so if you get a brute beast expounding on passages about spiritual things, you know what you're going to come up with? Foolishness like that, where you're saying he's not my Messiah. So horrible, horrible heresy spoken of by Sam Gift there. Let's look at another one. Bill, by my book, Grady. Let's see what he has. Let's listen to what he says speaking evil of things he doesn't understand. Check this out. You know, has the same old hang-up about looking forward to the cross, Old Testament saints, which is the biggest, dumbest bunch of junk you could ever come up with. And a lot of you good folks out there, you just can't keep carrying a Bible around without believing it. Sure. So Bill Grady is very hostile to those who teach that the Old Testament saints looked forward to the cross. That messes with his dispensational theology. And he literally called that the biggest, dumbest bunch of junk. He speaks evil. Why? Because he cannot understand it. He, is, he expounds on these things in a way that only he can understand naturally as a brute beast. Let me tell you, they were looking forward to the cross and they were saved by that in the Old Testament period. And so let me ask you a question. Are you looking forward to the revelation of Jesus Christ? Well, of course we are. That's, we're looking forward to that day. And understand, we only know in part what that's going to be like. When we experience it, when we experience Jesus Christ, when we see him, it's going to change us. And it will, it will complete the thoughts. There are certain things that have been revealed. It is appropriate for me to say, I know Jesus Christ. I do. 
but I, I only know in part. One of these days I'll see him and I will know him as I am known of him. Bible talks about that. But 1 Peter 1.13 says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind and be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. When he returns, there will there are going to be things that we learn, things that we experience of grace, of knowledge of Jesus Christ. And when we receive that additional revelation, it will not become a new Jesus. It will not become a new grace, a new gospel or anything like that. No, we will have a fuller understanding of what we have already put our faith and trust in. And yes, we are looking forward to the revelation of Jesus Christ. And when we learn those new facts and we go, if you could, if we were to go back and listen to my preaching, talking about the return of Christ, there will be things that are not mentioned in my explanation of the return of Christ because those things were not revealed yet. And to say that I did not believe in those things that took place would be foolish. Obviously I, what I believed and what had been revealed and I, and, and I understood what had been revealed. Just because I learned more after experiencing these things does not mean it's a whole new thing that I didn't believe in back then. That's foolishness. And so it's the same thing when it refers, when it comes to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. In they And these guys, they speak evil. They are hostile. They are vicious and about those who teach that the death, burial, and resurrection is in the Old Testament that the uh, that there's one gospel, they mock that. I mean it. They because they are not capable of understanding it. They respond to spiritual things like brute beasts. It's a frustration, I guess, because they can't understand it. But Luke twenty four twenty four says, "This is when Jesus is speaking to the men on the road to Emmaus, and certain of them which were with us went into the sepulcher and found it even so as the women had said, but they saw him not. Then he said to them, O fools." And slow of heart to believe the women? No. All that the prophets have spoken of me. That is what Jesus said. He didn't rebuke them for not believing the women. He rebuked them for not believing all that the prophets have, had spoken of him. He goes on to say, ought not Christ uh, to have suffered these things and enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets... He expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So, uh, wait, what had just happened? Um, the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection. And these guys didn't believe the women when they told them these things. Jesus rebuked them for not believing the scriptures. And Jesus, he didn't say, here I am. You know what he did? He used the scriptures. He preached the scriptures to them. And then they got to a point where all of a sudden it, they understood and they realized who he was and they believed the gospel according to the scriptures. That is what they did. And so understand in Genesis three fifteen, it says, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. We understand that seed of a woman was the virgin-born Son of God, Jesus Christ. If they believed in the seed of a woman, they believed on Jesus Christ. They might not have understood how he would redeem them at that point. They might not have understood that it was going to be a cross, 
but they understood there was going to be deliverance. There was going to be a sacrifice. There was going to be payment for sin. All they had to do was believe in what had been revealed at that time. And when more information came later, it did not mean all of a sudden they didn't believe in that. But what the brute beasts can't understand, because, because to them, this is what they repeat over and over and over again like a robot. And, and watch out for this. They, they say, the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 5, 1-4. Okay? I agree with their robotic statement that they're making. However, their robotic statement like that shows their lack of spiritual discernment in that. Because what they mean by that is I have to see the words death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ somewhere in the Old Testament for it to be the gospel. And so a shadow of it, the death, burial, and resurrection in part, you know, like in Isaiah 53, you and I can't see any see anything but the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ in Isaiah 53, but they don't see the words death, burial, and resurrection. Therefore, they don't get it. They mock the idea that that is the gospel in Isaiah 53. And this is where they reveal their stupidity. This is where they, they reveal their spiritually dead state that they have. They Again, they go to 1 Corinthians 15, and let's look at what it says. Moreover, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you. And they want to tell you Paul is the one who preached the gospel of death, burial, and resurrection. And it's different than the gospel of the kingdom that Jesus preached and that Peter, Peter preached. Peter and Paul preached different gospels. Garbage, baloney, heresy. But he said, by which ye are also saved. If ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the scripture, that he was buried and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. So right there, folks, I mean, can't you see it? The gospel that Paul preaches, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Where do we see that from Peter? Where do we see that from Jesus Christ? Where do we see that in the Old Testament? You don't, I don't see that in the Old Testament. I did Esword. I did a search for death, burial, and resurrection. You know how many results I got? Zero. I looked, I did a search for Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. You know what I got? Zero results. I use Bible Gateway. I use eSword. I use Sword Searcher. I use all these things and I got zero results. But wait a minute. Wait a minute. What does it say? It says, for Christ died for our sins. Look at that. According to the scriptures. And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day. According to the scriptures. Paul didn't say Christ died, buried, and rose again according to my gospel, according to me, according to what I'm telling you. He said he did all these things according to the scriptures. Their main passage that they used to teach their, their Ruckmanite foolishness about multiple gospels and that Paul preached a different gospel debunks, it debunks that right there when it says according to the scriptures. He didn't say according to me, according to the scriptures. These people reveal their wickedness, their foolishness, you better believe they looked forward to the cross. So the last of the unholy trinity, Sluter, wait till you hear what this guy teaches. I want you to notice in this text in Psalms chapter number 22 when Jesus cries out, but I am a worm 
and no man uh, understand he's not just talking about the fact that he feels like a worm or that he might be a worm or uh, you know that that you know he's kind of writhing around on the cross he's in so much pain but folks I believe that as Jesus is hanging there on the cross his literal form becomes that of a worm the Bible says, but what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his what? Soul. As Jesus Christ is hanging there on the cross, he literally loses his soul. And this is where it gets deep, and this is where a lot of people disagree with me, and that's fine, they can disagree with me and the Bible. Uh, but as he's hanging there on the cross, and his body turns into a worm, he becomes sin personified, these hours of darkness. Uh, where does his soul go? His soul goes to hell. The Bible says in Acts chapter 16 and verse number 10, But thou wilt not suffer thine holy one to see corruption, neither wilt thou leave my soul in hell. Peter talks about Jesus' soul going to hell in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 13. And he says that that is a fulfillment, that thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. That's a fulfillment of Jesus Christ. If you notice the statements that Jesus makes, on the cross, he says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The cry of a man in hell. He says, I thirst a cry of a man in hell. As Jesus is hanging there, sin personified, he becomes a worm on the cross. His soul descends down into hell. And for three hours, he suffers the pain of hell. So there you go, folks. I mean, there is no limit to the craziness that comes from unregenerate people trying to preach spiritual things. Sluter believes Jesus literally turned into a worm while on the cross and that his soul went to hell for three, not three days after his death, for three hours while he was hanging on the cross. I... You know, I shouldn't have to debunk this, but I'm going to, okay? So <laughs> let's go to Psalms chapter 22, which is the passage that he is referring to. He is not capable of understanding a spiritual message that is trying to be presented. But look at what it says in Psalms 22. We'll start reading in verse 6. But I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despise of the people. All they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head saying he trusted in the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him seeing he delighted in him. Now we understand that when David wrote this, I think everyone would agree with this, that he is speaking in how he feels of himself, but also he is speaking by the spirit and, and a, a prophetic, a prophecy about Jesus Christ on the cross. And without a doubt, we see a fulfillment of this as Jesus is hanging on the cross, as he becomes this, as he becomes sin. And we literally, in that scripture, see the people saying the very things to Jesus that the psalmist said in this passage, where they're saying he saved others. You know, if he's really the Christ, let him come down off the cross. That's what they said to him when he was hanging on the cross. But they despise him, they spit on him, they mocked him. The whole point of him being a worm. It goes, it clarifies, it says, I am a reproach. And a worm is not like an earthworm we talk about today, but a maggot. And everyone is repulsed and disgusted by maggots. It, when, when you see maggots, what do you typically do? It's, oh, 
it's horrible. It turns your stomach. We, we are all disgusted by maggots or worms. And when Jesus hung there on the cross, he was, even though he's paying for the sins of man, even though he's dying in our place, he was a reproach to the people. People are ashamed. They wag their heads at him. They mocked him. They spit on him. He, it was a disgusting sight for people to behold. That's what this is about. And understand what was on that cross in one way is a wonderful thing for us because he's paying for our sins and providing salvation for us. But he also was taking our sins upon himself, which was vile and disgusting that God couldn't even look at. And he turned away from him and there was, there was darkness on the earth. But understand at this point, when the people are saying these things to him, they can see him. And what do you think they would have done if they would have, during this time that Psalms describes, where they're mocking him, where they're saying these things to him, if they would have watched him transform into a worm, that would have freaked them out pretty good. But no, they're mocking him during that time. Why? Because he, he was a reproach. He was beaten bloody, but it was, it was all the things that they saw were natural things that they did to him. You know, and, and he's doing these things in our place. But Sluter reads that and he doesn't see the reproach that Christ was, even though that's stated. He doesn't understand, you know, just the sinfulness uh, and the, how disgusting our sin is, how vile our sin is in the eyes of a holy God. No, I think he transformed into a worm. I try, yeah, I try you'll believe you believe the King James Bible. You can disagree with me if you want and the Bible. But no, I believe, and what did he teach? That he turned into a worm and his soul literally went to hell. And why is he doing that? Because he can't get around the fact that the Bible teaches that his soul went to hell. That's too clear. But in the dispensational world, they teach that he actually went to Abraham's bosom, a good part of hell. So this is his way of pleasing everybody. All right, I'll take your soul went to hell, but then also... You know, but just for three hours. That way we can have him go to Abraham's bosom where he preaches the gospel of the death, burial, and resurrection to all the Old Testament saints. They all get saved and then he delivers captivity captain and takes them up to heaven. That's what Sluter teaches. Folks, this is what happens when natural man tries to interpret spiritual things. They come up with crazy sci-fi carnality. That's what they come up with. And that's why Ruckmanites are typically the biggest promoters of weird ne the Nephilim doctrine. You know, the, Sluter teaches a lot of weird stuff about UFOs and how we're going to inhabit other planets one of these days. If you actually believe the King James Bible, yeah, if you read spiritual things like a carnal man, and there are, there are things that are spoken of in spiritual ways that are figurative, that are poetic, and some people can't understand that. And it's important that we understand some things are not meant to be taken literal. They are, they are spiritual things, and God did that on purpose because there are some things that are not meant to be known by the natural man. And that is spelled out in scriptures. Jesus spoke in parables so the Pharisees wouldn't know what he's talking about. They need, what, well, so, well, that doesn't really seem fair. No, if they're not gonna get saved first, then they don't need to understand these other things. There are deeper things, there are spiritual things that are not meant for loss, the loss to understand. They're not capable of understanding them. So yes, we will always have people taking certain scriptures 
especially prophetic ones and teaching all kinds of different things. Again, not saying everyone who disagrees with my interpretation of prophetic scriptures is just a natural man unsaved, but I am saying that there are always going to be vast differences across the board because of the fact that there's a lot of lost people out there today carrying around a Bible and trying to preach it. And so what we have to do as saved people, as saved people, you know, we are going to look, it's like, well, wait, when somebody is interpreting things the way these people are, we ought to see right through that kind of thing. It's like, why, how would they come up with that? It's what they know naturally is brute beasts. They are going to come up with the most carnal and base explanations. And the stuff that they preach goes great in sci-fi movies that the lost world loves. They love the idea of angels and humans interbreeding and all that because our society is perverted. They're all into that kind of sci-fi fantasy where we can mix species and all that kind of stuff. That's not what the Bible teaches, but that's all these people can see because it's what they know naturally as brute beasts. So if you want to hear more on that subject, um, I covered it Sunday night. I'll leave a link in the description for this. But I do all this to just to show you and help you understand that prophecy is spiritual. Not everything in prophecy, the way it's written, it, it's not meant to be taken ultra literal. When you do that, you'll mess these things up. We must get the spiritual truths from these things. And if you don't, that's why you've got guys on this channel always talking about buy bail and weird nonsense like that and taking these words and making them sound like other things. What, what's the guy? Do? He's a brute beast. These are people who just can't get spiritual truths. They, they can't do it. And so uh, as a result, you know, they they come up with crazy nonsense. So don't be surprised. Don't be discouraged by all the diversity that's out there. We are capable of understanding these things, but you do need to be saved and you do need to look at these things spiritually many times. And so the lost, the brute beast will never come to agreement with us. We will never get the, the unholy trinity of the Gip, Grady, and Sluter. So why do you call them the unholy trinity? Well, ultimately, Peter Ruckman is the central figure. They're all Peter Ruckman. Andrew Sluter is not Sam Gipp. Sam Gipp is not Bill Grady. Bill Grady is not Andrew Sluter. But Andrew Sluter is Peter Ruckman. Sam Gipp is Peter Ruckman. Bill Grady is Peter Ruckman. That's why we call, it's kind of an inside joke why we call him the unholy trinity of Ruckmanites. But uh, right there, you say, I don't think you ought to call these people out like that. Jude warned us how the false prophets were going to come in. If we see people doing exactly what Jude described, isn't it our responsibility as shepherds to call this stuff out? Of course, we are going to call these things out. And all three of these men are men I have spoken to personally. And I have been convinced from my conversations with them that they are, in fact, lost men and natural brute beasts. And so I, I make no apologies for anything I said. Uh, I, you know, I only, uh, you know, I, I, I'm sad that this upsets you and disappoints you, but at some point we've got to decide if we believe the Bible or not. It doesn't feel good when those who creep in unawares that we might have liked, that we might have respected. I never liked Sluter, but I did like uh, Bill Grady and Sam Gipp at one time until they 
revealed themselves. I had heard what they preached on the King James Bible. I liked a lot of that stuff. Um, that was all I'd ever heard from Grady. I had heard Sam Gitt preach just some regular, encouraging, lift you up kind of sermons that I enjoyed. And so I, I, I liked them. But when I heard some of these things we looked at, it's was like, dude, you just showed your fangs. You let your mask slip. And you know what? I didn't enjoy it, but I was like, yeah, you know what? I can't have anything to do with this guy. Bad stuff. So the natural man and prophecy, I hope this was a help to you. I appreciate you all watching. God bless you. We'll see you all next time.